Welcome to the weekly podcast of Valley Church. I pray that this message will fill you with the hope of the gospel and will help you follow Jesus today. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, visit valleychurchwv.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. And um, We are studying through the book of Acts, so if you have your Bibles, why don't you take them out? Um, We're going to go to the book of Acts, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. And uh, we're in the second week of a series that we have entitled Speak Jesus. And we believe that this, uh, this title actually really sums up well what happened in the book of Acts that uh, we, we, as we saw last week, we, uh, we see that these followers of Jesus were firsthand eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Christ. And that uh, as, as the church grew, it grew not as a product of people saying that they're going to follow Jesus' teaching, but it grew as a movement of people testifying to the resurrection of Christ. And uh, last week we looked, at, we looked at a question, and the question was this. What comes to your mind when you hear the word church? What comes to your mind when you hear the word church? And I, I'm sure for a lot of us, a lot of different things come to mind. Maybe it was that old country church you grew up, grew up in, the, the creaking floors or the smell that, 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 that you remember. Um, I grew up in a really small church up in Canada, and I can, I can remember in the morning going into that building, and the furnace would be on, and it was cold, and we would just go, and we'd sit on the front register as kids. <laughs> you know, because we, we, I was a pastor's kid, I, I got there early with, a, with, with my other siblings, and so we were always waiting, waiting for the service to start. And that was just a a memory that came to my mind. But, you know, you have your own memories of church. They may be good. They may be bad. But more often than not, I, I believe that what has been shaped in us and what we're trying to change our minds about is that our view of church is usually we think of a building. We think of a Sunday morning gathering. Um, when the church is, is not that. The church is not a tradition. It's not a denomination. It's not an institution. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's not a building. The church is a, a body. It's not an organization. It's, it's an organism. And that is what Jesus is, is so, showing us here in the beginning of the book of Acts. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And when he said that, he was using the word ecclesia. And we defined that word last week, didn't we? Ecclesia means called out ones, uh, or an assembly, or a gathering. And we kind of explored the history of the translation of that word, how uh, there was a German word, Kirche, that was used um, in, in, uh, throughout 300 AD to about 1500 AD that shaped actually our view of the church as a building and not as a people. And uh, how, how um, it, was, it was William Tyndale who in his translation of scripture actually translated this word um, ecclesia as congregation, moving it from a place to a people, translating it correctly that we might actually then have a correct mindset about what a church is. And so as we continue through the book of Acts, um, we are trying to apply what we see in the scripture to our lives as a church. So the first thing was that we view ourselves 
not as a place, but as a people. And that's why we talked about launch, the launch of 242 groups, right? Um, that uh, these groups are, are smaller groups that are going to gather like the early church did for prayer, fellowship, the study of God's word. And, uh, and that, that being something that we prioritize, that we're a people and not just coming to a place. And uh, so that's my encouragement. If you haven't uh, considered joining one, I'll tell you what, we, um, we had our first leaders training uh, just this past Wednesday. And um, we have nine couples signed up that want to invest in you to open up their homes that we can experience church just all throughout the week. Be a people that are following Jesus together, testifying to the resurrection. So um, that's my encouragement but as we, um, that as, we, as we went on through the book of Acts, as you're, as you're looking at Acts chapter 1, we, we ended around verse 14 last week, didn't we? And just to, just to catch us up to where, where we're going this morning in Acts chapter 2, Jesus had ascended into heaven. He had, as he was ascending into heaven, told his disciples, his followers, his witnesses of his resurrection, um, in verse 8, he, he prophesied to them. He told them what was going to come. And he said this, he said in verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What Jesus was doing was he was prophesying about what was to come. He was saying, this message, this movement, my ecclesia, this message about my resurrection, it's going to go way beyond you. You 120 people that have gathered here to, to see me off. No, this is going to go beyond you. It's going to go to not only your hometown, not only to, to your area, Samaria, not only to... Um, uh, to, to, to your state or your province or, or that, that, that local area that they knew about, but it's going to go global. It's going to go to the rest of the world, which they didn't even know how big the world was. And it, it's, it's amazing, as Jesus told them what was going to happen, we actually see ourselves as Valley Church 2,000 years later as a fulfillment of that in, in partial. Because we see that the church has gone global. The gospel has gone to the, to the ends of the earth, just as Jesus said it would. And so, in verse 14, before the Spirit came, it says that, that these followers of Jesus, these people that, that had, had been witnesses to the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, says in verse 14, that all these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together with all the women, with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So they met together. They prayed together. They met together, and they prayed together. And we remember that Jesus had said to them, wait, wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and, and so they waited, and, and Jesus didn't tell them how long to wait. He just said, wait. But after about 10 days, something amazing happened. And you can read what happened kind of in between. In between, they, they actually chose another disciple to replace Judas, who betrayed Jesus. But as we move on to chapter 2, we see that it's the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost. You may have heard this word before, um, but uh, this, is, this is a holiday that took place, a Jewish holiday that took place 10 days after 
the ascension of Jesus. Let me tell you a little bit about it. Pentecost is known historically, uh, traditionally, as a Jewish festival where Jews and converts to Judaism came into the city of Jerusalem to celebrate the harvest and to present the first fruits of that harvest to God. Um, it, w- it, was, it was a harvest festival, basically like Thanksgiving that we would celebrate today. They all came together to, to then give the first fruits, the first portion of what they harvested back to, back to the Lord, just as a remembrance that he is their provider. So th- this, was, this was a really neat celebration that they practiced. And so all these people from all over had come into Jerusalem to celebrate together. There's also another thing that, that I want you to remember about the day of Pentecost. It's this, that Pentecost is actually um, on the same day that, uh, that the Old Covenant, the, uh, the, the, you remember the Ten Commandments and all the other laws that God gave from Mount Sinai to Moses. Um, it's actually a, a celebration of when that was also given to the nation of Israel. And so, so I want you to remember that as we read these next few verses, because this is a celebration of God's faithfulness. It's also a recognition that God has given us a law that we are to follow, and we're to offer sacrifices to him. There's things that we need to do. And uh, as we read Acts chapter 2, verse 1, we'll, we'll learn a little bit more about it. It says, Acts, Acts 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. We, we remember they were waiting. They were waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit. They were praying together. They were sharing meals together. And in verse 2 it says, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And scripture tells us that as they're waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit, as they're praying, as they're, they're gathered together, that the Holy Spirit shows up as a... Those of you that have been through a derecho, right? You remember that wind? Okay? You couldn't, you couldn't, uh, you could definitely feel it, but you didn't know where it was coming from. I can just imagine a mighty wind, something like that, that came into this room that these disciples, these followers of Jesus were in, and it was obvious that the Spirit had come. Okay? One thing you need to know about the Spirit of God is that, that He's represented in a few different ways. He's, he's, he's represented through, through uh, a dove, remember that? Through fire, through um, oil and water, and lastly, through wind. Remember when I was preaching through um, uh, Ezekiel chapter 37, and God told Ezekiel, I want you to speak to the dry bones, tell them, hear the word of the Lord, and, uh, and, and prophesy to the bones, and prophesy to the breath. And say, breathe on fallen saints. Okay, and, and that's, that's what happened. God's spirit breathed life into them. And, and it's very similar to what's happening here. As God is, by his spirit coming, descending, breathing life into those that are his followers. And coming and filling them and empowering them for service. So the Spirit comes in a powerful way here on this day of Pentecost. And it's really interesting I want you, want you to, to recognize this. 
the Old Testament day of Pentecost was that day when God had given the Israelites the law. But the New Testament day of Pentecost was different. The New Testament day of Pentecost was the day when God gave the church the Spirit. Isn't that awesome? He's giving them a new covenant, one that is is brought by the Spirit of God. God is going to not dwell in, in houses built by human hands. He's going to dwell in a people. He's not going to dwell in a place. He's going to dwell in a a body, the body of Christ, the people, the followers of Jesus. And that changes everything. As we keep on reading in verse 3, it says that divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. As we said, The Holy Spirit is symbolized in these different ways. And here's a second symbolism of the Holy Spirit. It's that of not just just wind, but fire. It says that tongues of fire came came down and and it it, rested like tongues of fire on their heads. But but you'll notice they weren't like, oh, oh," you know, (laughs) trying to get the flames off of their head. They weren't consumed. Their hairs weren't singed. Their hairs weren't burned. It was like they're just tongues of flames on, on their heads representing that the Spirit was upon them. And it kind of reminds me back to, remember when Moses was called by God to go and deliver um, the, the Israelites from Egypt? How did God call him? Through a burning bush. And when he went to that bush, you remember that he, he came upon it and he realized that bush is burning, but it's not consumed. And God spoke through that, through that bush to Moses, commissioning him to go and deliver the nation of Israel from slavery. There's also times in scripture that, that you'll see that God showed his pleasure by, by sending fire from heaven to consume an offering. You'll you remember that when uh, Elijah was on, on, the, on the mountain with the prophets of Baal and God sent fire to consume the offering. He showed that he was pleased with it. There's actually, in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, we see that, that, uh, that, that Jesus is, is telling us, and the, the writer there is telling us that we are to offer our own bodies as a living sacrifice. He doesn't want a dead sacrifice. He wants his spirit to come, his fire to come on us, not to consume us, but to empower us. And there's, there's just symbolism all throughout this, but, but this is what is happening to these early followers of Jesus. And we see the kind of power that God gives to them by his spirit. Verse 4, keep on reading. It says, verse 4, that, um, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there are dwelling in Jerusalem Jews... Devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. Now, the jury is still out on whether they're still in a room or whether they have gone out of that room and are, are going out into, into uh, all these people that have come into Jerusalem to talk to them. Some, some people think that, oh, everybody heard the sound. They came running. They came running to this room where these, these followers of Jesus were, and they just witnessed everything that was being said. 
But all that to say, whether they were out or whether they were in, I would imagine that they are speaking in tongues that these people can all understand. And they're bewildered and they're wondering. And I kind of wonder, what were they speaking at that time? What were they speaking? I would guess they're speaking Jesus. They're speaking and saying, yeah, Jesus, he is God's son. He was sent down to earth. He lived a perfect life. He was crucified. He died. He was buried. He was dead for three days. And he is risen from the dead. Come, repent of your sins. Trust in him. He's the only way to God. And at at their testimony, people are stirring. And they're gathering. And they're wondering. And they're even criticizing. And you're going to have those kind of people when when God's spirit is working. You're going to have critics. You're going to have people that are like, I don't know about this whole thing. This whole spirit thing is kind of weird, okay? Just be aware of that. It says in verse 7 that they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? This doesn't make sense. And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language and then they go and list all these people that are there it's quite amazing parthians and medes and elamites and residents of mesopotamia judea cappadocia pontius asia phrygia pamphylia egypt parts of libya belonging to cyrene visitors from rome both jews and proselytes christians and arabians we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. That's what they're talking about. And they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said, "Uh, they're filled with new wine. In other words, they're drunk. That explains it. That's what they are, okay? But just as Jesus had predicted it, even just down, down to the T as he described it, this gospel, this message, this movement, This testimony about the resurrection had gone already, not only because they were in Jerusalem, it it had already, because of their testimony, now gone to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and now because of everyone there, it was going to go to the ends of the earth. It was going to go. Because all these people had gathered, and God used this, this festival, Pentecost, to gather people from all around the known world at that time together to hear the gospel for themselves without without even realizing it. These followers of Jesus were fulfilling the parting command of God that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, as as we move forward, we see that Peter stood up. And Peter became a spokesman, um, delivering the first message on what I want to call the opening day of the church. Move on to verse 22. After explaining that these men are not drunk, but are filled with the Spirit, Peter goes on to tell them this. Verse 22, you start there. Men of Israel, he says, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth. A man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified 
And he killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Again, what is Peter's message? Realize this. It's the gospel. Not just listen to Jesus' teaching, it's pay attention to his resurrection. He is powerful over death. That's why the early church gathered. In verse 32, as you skip down there, he, he goes on after explaining some of the Old Testament passages and their fulfillment in Christ. He goes on to tell them this. This Jesus, God raised up. And of that, we are all witnesses. Now, can I just help you? If you're new to Christianity, or maybe you're here and you're trying to figure out what it means to be a Christian, be a follower of Jesus. Can I just help you by telling you Christianity is not just about living a moral life and following the teachings of Jesus. No, Christianity is fundamentally about embracing, not just about embracing the teaching, it's about embracing Jesus himself. Christianity is about embracing Jesus. They said we're witnesses of the fact that he was crucified, he died, and he was buried, and then he came back to life. And of that, the evidence is undeniable. We're all witnesses of that. Verse 33, keep on reading. He says, being therefore exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. He's trying to explain all this is from God. Everything that you are seeing right now, the, the, the tongues of fire, the, the wind, the, the speaking in, in different languages, that you, you yourselves, you can hear in your own native language what the, the gospel for yourselves. You're hearing this for yourself. This is all from God. It's not us. So in verse 36, he says this. He says, let all the house of Israel... Therefore, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. Notice he he narrows his target audience and he says this. Let all the house of Israel know. He's speaking to those that followed the practices of Judaism. Those that were under the old covenant. Those that were offering sacrifices under the law. He's saying, I want you you people, to know. Those of you who have rejected Jesus, those of you who, who mocked him, who, who accused him of blasphemy, saying, you know, he said that he claims to be God and he's, he's a false, false prophet. He's a false teacher. That's what you said about him. You rejected him. Some of you cried out, crucify him, crucify him, not just 50 days before. Know this. God has made him. This Jesus, whom you rejected, Lord and Christ. The evidence is undeniable. This Jesus, whom you crucified, has been resurrected from the dead, proving that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. And his challenge, really, with with this is is a question that that I want to ask us as well, and, and I believe it's implied in what he asked them. He's asking the question, so... Based on the evidence, what are you going to do with Jesus today? What are you 
going to do with Jesus today? Can I just share with you a story? I, um, I attended Moody Bible Institute um, for, for my college education. It's, it's located in Chicago. And uh, while, while in Chicago, we actually, um, part, of our, part of our studies was to um, just understand some of the history behind the founder, who was, his name was D.L. Moody. He was an evangelist. He was a pastor. He was a preacher of the gospel. And uh, he actually began as a preacher at the local YMCA there in, in Chicago and um, had, had his own church, um, Moody Church, that is still in existence today. But it was October 8th, 1971, a typical Sunday evening, and they had all gathered together at the local YMCA to hear D.L. Moody preach a message. And as he, he was bringing his message to a close, what, what D.L. Moody said, said was, was basically these same words. is what are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with Jesus today? Now, at the time as he, he was preaching, preaching he, he, he noticed that there was some commotion outside. Um, there were some sirens. You know, if you're in the city, you hear sirens a lot. And, but people were kind of agitated. They could hear other, other people running down the street, yelling at each other. Um, they heard more and more sirens. And he was like, oh, what's going on? He th- kind of thought he had lost his audience. And so he's like, okay, let's just wrap this thing up. And he called his song leader, Ira Sankey. He said, why don't you lead us in a song? Sankey led them all in a song as they closed their service. And then he got back up and said, remember the challenge that I gave you? What are you going to do with Jesus? I want you to come back next week to make a decision. And they all disbanded. They all, they all went, went, went out of where they were meeting. And as Moody and his song leader, his worship leader, Sankey, exited out of the YMCA, they saw the orange sky of the Chicago skyline all lit up. Chicago was on fire. And uh, what happened that night was it wasn't just a few buildings that burned. It was actually thousands of buildings. Even Moody's own home, his own family home, a little after midnight, caught fire and they lost almost everything. That night, it says that over 300 people in Chicago lost their lives. And, um, and let me just find it here, over 17,000 buildings burned, with over 90,000 people becoming homeless overnight in the city of Chicago, including Moody and his family. And you know, Moody, it's quoted that he, he turned to his wife, Emma, after, after narrowly escaping from their home with their children. He turned to his wife and, and he said to his wife, I, I've made a made a horrible mistake. And his wife was thinking, oh, you forgot to salvage something from the home. He was like, no, it wasn't that. It was that I let everyone go tonight from our gospel meeting without calling them to respond to Jesus today. I told them come back next week. The problem was they didn't, they didn't have a week. They didn't have that all that time. Many of those people lost their lives. Many of those people were, were never going to even come back to that church because not only the YMCA had been burned down, but also Moody Church itself had, had burned to the ground. What are you going to do with Jesus? And, and he said to his wife, 
Never again will I miss a chance to ask people, what are you going to do with Jesus today? What are you going to do with Jesus today? Well, as, as we come back to the book of Acts, I can just imagine that this message that Peter is preaching, like Moody, he did not want to end it the way that, way that happened in Chicago that day. He wanted to call them to a response. And, and what's interesting about what, the statement that Paul, Peter had just made was he expected to face a lot of criticism for what he had just said. He's basically saying, this Jesus whom you rejected and you crucified, he is Lord. What are you going to do with him? And he expected that to, just like to Jesus, they would also cry out, let's crucify him. Let's crucify Peter. That's that's what he would totally have expected would have happened. But guess what? You know that when there's revival that happens, that God will change the most unlikely of hearts. And he does. He does. God does a work, and it says that there, the, the, I can just imagine as the hush fell on the crowd in Jerusalem that someone finally cried out, Brothers, what should we do? You know, to this whole crowd that's gathered, there's one person that asks, What should we do? What should we do with Jesus? And to that, what Peter did not say was, Come back next week, and I'll let you know. No. He takes the opportunity, and he tells them what they should do with Jesus today. And here's what he says. Verse 38. And Peter said to them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the response to the question, what should we do? The first thing Peter told them to do was this, repent, repent. You know, to, to some of our ears, that, that word sounds really harsh, doesn't it? Repent. It, it's something that we would expect from, from that old country church and that fiery gospel preacher, repent of your sins, turn or burn. And that's not exactly what Peter is saying. He's saying, repent and come to Jesus because he offers you forgiveness and grace. John the Baptist's first words in Matthew chapter 32, his message was similar. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus, his own message in Matthew 4, 17 is this. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, because he's coming soon. Repent because his kingdom is imminent. Repent because you don't know if you have tomorrow. Repent because just as Jesus died, you will also die. And if you have not claimed Jesus in his blood, you will not have resurrection to eternal life, but you will have resurrection to eternal punishment in hell. What does repent mean? Repent to Peter. And to his hearers was this. It meant to change one's mind or direction. As he spoke to these Jews that day, he was telling them, you used to think of Jesus as a blasphemer. You used to think of him as a rebel. You used to think of him as worthy of crucifixion. Now, I want you to change your mind about Jesus. I want you to turn from thinking him as a 
blasphemer to embracing him as the Messiah. Embracing him as Lord. And what it looks like is this, to turn from sin to the Savior. And for us, that's what it looks like as well. That he is the only way to have resurrection. You know, in in a sense, the word repent is a word of great hope because it actually promises that you can change. Some of you, you feel stuck. Stuck in some of the same sin patterns every, every single day. Stuck in, in maybe the, the, the situations or, or the dysfunction that, that you're in. Repent gives us hope that Jesus can transform. That you don't have to continue the way that you have been going. That you can be changed. Repent. Turn from sin to the Savior. And repentance describes actually what coming to God is. And I hope you get this. Because all of you, you came, you maybe, maybe you lived in, maybe you live in Payton City, but those of, those of us that don't, you can't come to Payton City without leaving wherever you live, New Martinsville, Sardis, Mountainsville, wherever you came from out in the country, out in the hills, all right? You cannot come to Payton City without leaving where you're at. And you cannot come to this church without leaving your home. And just, just as you cannot do that, you cannot come to God You cannot turn towards God without turning from the things that he is against. I want you to be clear about that. Repentance means turning from yourself, turning from your sin to the Savior, turning from the things that he is against, turning to his righteousness and asking for his forgiveness. It's a choice. And it's not just an emotional experience. It's not a one-time event. It's a daily choice of choosing to live a life of repentance. I want you to understand that. So my question is this, and his question to these, these Jews gathered, to all these people gathered, was have you repented? Have you turned to Jesus? Have you agreed with God about your sin? Turn, turning away from the things that he is against and turning toward him. But the second thing he, that he says, he doesn't leave, leave it at that. He says, he says this, Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. At that time, baptism was a, a really clear statement. Okay, for, 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 the, for the Jew, Jews were not baptized. Only Gentiles were baptized into Judaism. And so for a Jew to be baptized made a very, very specific statement that said, I, I am no longer trusting in the Old Testament law to save me from hell. I'm no longer trusting in, in these rules and these regulations and the sacrificial system. No, I'm, I'm, I'm trusting in the once for all sacrifice of Jesus. I'm identifying with his death, his burial, his resurrection. Okay, that, that's what baptism pictures. It's symbolic, okay? Buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in newness of life. That's what baptism is. And he's saying, repent and be baptized as an outward expression of an inward confession. How many people? Who's to be baptized? He said, everyone. Everyone. You're not exempt. You're not unique. Everyone is to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And he goes on to say, For the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yes, you come with, to God with faith, but faith must be expressed in action. And that's what he's saying here. He's energized your faith with the action of baptism. Baptism. 
to testify to this world, to those around, that you're not trusting in yourself. You're not trusting in your own works. You're trusting in the work of Jesus done on your behalf. And so as we end today, um, let me just just be honest. There, there's some of you that may be here, you're kind of asking the same question, like that one man did in the crowd. Brothers, what should we do? What do I need to do to be saved? And my response is the response of Peter. Repent and be baptized. Have you done that? Have you responded to Jesus in that way? The offer is open to you. The gospel is for everyone. And it says in in verse 39, and and this I hope speaks to you because you may be listening or you may may be watching and you may be feeling unworthy, be saying like, I'm not worthy of his grace. I'm too messed up. My past has too many mistakes. I, I I can't come to God the way I am. I want you to take encouragement from verse 39. Keep on reading. He said that this promise is for you. It's for you and for your children. These are people that have rejected Jesus. He said, this is for you and for your children and all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. I want to just key key in on all who are far off. Who are all who are far off? I believe that that is you and that's me. It's, it's those that um, are far off ge- ge- geographically at that time. That's us. Far off chronologically in time. Yeah, that's us. Far off even spiritually. Jesus is for you. It's for you. It's for me. It's for our children. It's for our grandchildren. Just as it was for our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents. Those who embrace Jesus. All who are far off. It's for you if you feel far from God. It's for you if you feel unworthy. It's for you if you feel guilty and ashamed. It's for you. It's for me. And so my question as we end is this. What will you do with Jesus today? What will you do with him? What I want to call you to is repent and be baptized. Don't put it off says in scripture and we we even have uh, someone that tattooed this on their arm okay this is awesome it says in scripture now is the accepted time today is the day of salvation now that that's worthy of a tattoo i'd say right yeah (laughs) yeah it's true don't put it off don't put it off today is the day for you to be saved and so as we end i just want to give you an opportunity to respond to god let's stand let's pray together I'm going to start off with a prayer, and then I'm going to just call, call us each to response. First for the believer, and then, then for you. If you feel far from God right now, I'm going to call you to response too. But bow, your, bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Let's use this holy moment between us and God to just, just apply what we have heard from his word today. God, we thank you that uh, as we come to you, God, you promise that you will heal and restore. We thank you that you offer salvation to those who are far off, even those that up until this point had been rejecting you. God, thank you that your salvation is free. It's open. It's for all. God, would you just remind us of that? 
and help us to respond to you in a way that honors you right now. God, I first just just want to want to just uh, offer offer um, some application right now for for those of us here that that are believers. I'm just going to talk to you for a second. There's some of you here that that know Jesus, that have been following Him for you might say your whole life, but you also have people in your life that you know do not know Jesus as as their Savior. That, like D.L. Moody said, that they did not have tomorrow that they may not have tomorrow as well. That there's no guarantee that if they would die tomorrow or today, that they would not be in eternity with God, be in heaven in God's paradise. Just, I want you to just think for a moment about those people right now. Because I want to ask you this question then. What will you do with Jesus? As you think about those people right now, as you, as you have their minds, have their names in your mind, when you get their name in your, in, in your mind, would you just raise your hand just, just to signify a life that needs to be touched with the gospel of Jesus? Just raise your hand. Somebody that you're praying for, somebody that you're thinking about right now. Yeah, amen. Yeah, we've got hands all over. And we just recognize that there are so many that are far from God. As we just keep these hands raised, can we just right now just make a commitment? So we say, what will I do with Jesus to say I will do something with Jesus for them this week and I will tell them about my Jesus? If that's you, just keep your hands raised. If you want to tell them, if you commit, I want to pray for you. I'm going to pray for those people. God, thank you. Thank you for each of these hands raised. These, these lives that these people represent, God, I pray that we would take your gospel take your peace, take your hope. God, that we would take these words of Peter right here to tell them, repent, be baptized, come to you, Jesus, to have hope and healing in your name. God, I pray for each individual that is going to be spoken to this week. God, I pray that you would add to your number those who are being saved. God, would you give them success by your spirit that they might have hope for eternity. God, and when rejected and when discouraged, God, that they would not not let that, that be a roadblock, but would be a reminder that the road is narrow, that the way that the people are few that find it. God, would you just remind us of the importance of sharing your gospel? And put your hands down. God, as we, as we continue on praying, maybe, maybe you're here yourself. You're wondering, what should I do with Jesus? You can take this personally. What should I do with Jesus today? And my, 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 my question is this. Have you received him by repentance and faith? Have you repented of your sins and been, been baptized? You know, what, what you'll know from, from the message of the gospel is that Jesus is, is uh, both inclusive and exclusive. What I mean by this is that John 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believed in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And Jesus said this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not everyone is a child of God, only those that have place their faith and trust in him. And so Peter's message is my message to you. Would you turn? Would you repent of your sin? And would you commit yourself to being baptized? Would you do that today? Don't put it off.
Have you been saved? If you want to be saved, just, just maybe raise your hand. I want to, want to just lead you in a prayer. Yeah. Yeah, praise God. Yeah, between, between you and God, what I, what I want to do is just lead you in a prayer just to make a commitment to follow following Jesus. Anybody else? Yeah, praise God. I see you. Yeah. God wants to do something in your life right now. And so, so as you just commit yourself to God, would you just take this moment to repent of your sins? to turn away from the things that he is against and turn yourself toward Jesus. I'm praying this, this prayer and the words, the words don't save you, it's your heart. It says, says, Jesus, and you can repeat after me, Jesus, I need you. I can't save myself. I confess of and I repent of my sins. And I believe that you died on the cross to save me and you rose again from the dead. I believe that you alone are the way, the truth, and the life. I give you all of me today, and I declare from this moment that I am yours, and you are mine. Thank you, God, for saving me and making me whole. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's praise God for those that have just trusted in Jesus as their Savior. Praise Him. All right. As you keep on standing, we're just going to end with one more verse. It said right here in Acts chapter, chapter 2, 41, those who received his word, those who received his word were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> you know, I, I think that's fitting because we just watched a video about 9-11, right? How many, how many souls perished that day? About 3,000. And here that day, 3,000 souls were saved for eternity. And I believe that God can do it again. And he is doing it again in this valley, isn't he? So we praise God for that. If you receive Jesus today, or if you've not been baptized, can I encourage you? Talk to me after the service or sign up on our website to be baptized because we're, we're going to have a baptism service um, whenever you are ready, okay? And it's uh, do it today, okay? So now is the time. Don't put it off. I would love to even have a baptism service in the river. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah, okay? So let's do it, guys. Let's testify about what Jesus has says. Let's be his ecclesia. Let's be his called out ones, church. Let's be those who have gone from death to life. That day, 3,000 people joined the movement of the church, testifying to the resurrection of Jesus, that in his name there is victory over sin, there is victory over the grave, there is victory over death, and victory over hell, okay? In his name, we come alive to declare his victory. The resurrected king he is resurrecting me. Let's sing about it. Let's praise God for the work he's done. Okay, Let's sing. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Valley Church. If you were impacted by today's teaching or made a decision to follow Jesus, we would love to hear from you, pray for you, and walk with you. To connect with us, visit valleychurchwv.com. There you will find resources on following Jesus and information about how to partner with us here at Valley Church as we seek, serve, and send disciples of Christ.